I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan. Your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs hosted by Superfine Art Fair. Hello, business artists. You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means you are certifiably awesome. I'm James Milley, co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for independent artists in the U.S., and one of the top resources to learn about all things art. Today, we've got Josie Lewis back here with us. Josie is going to share her thoughts on why fun is an important part of an art career. I'm very excited to hear what she has to say, but first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ABP listeners. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you sign up and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fair. Join the number one art fair for independent artists as we travel across the United States reaching thousands of qualified in-person art buyers at every single fair. And prepare yourself for success with a full suite of business resources like our very own podcast, which you're listening to right now. Superfine started with the connection between artists and an eager, empowered, qualified buying audience. So many alternatives didn't provide any real value for the artists who spent their precious time, hard-earned money, and major effort mounting and exhibiting their work without the results to back it up. And that meant it was time for something new. For seven years, Superfine has focused on breaking down these barriers and creating sustainable economic opportunities for artists to build careers from our fair. To find your place at a Superfine fair, simply visit www.superfine.world sell hyphen your hyphen art. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. And when you mention the artist business plan, you'll receive a $150 credit on your booth, no matter what size or city you choose. So that's $150 off. Just go online to www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art to set up your qualification call with James and get started selling your art with Superfine today. Again, that's www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. All right, so we are back here with Josie Lewis. Josie Lewis is an artist living in Minneapolis. She joyfully uses a wide range of materials to explore color, texture, and pattern. She's a published author, a TEDx speaker, and has more than 3 million social media followers across platforms. Her licensed art and designs are featured on jigsaw puzzles sold widely through the US and Europe. Her original art is collected worldwide, including a, ma- uh, including a major permanent mosaic at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. She also sells digital art tutorial courses and a membership for artists who want to sell their work called Art Revenue Coaching. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Josie. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here. I always like talking to you. Absolutely. I like talking to you, too. <laughs> so, well, thank you. Thank <laughs> um, so, Josie, we've, we've already asked you what your earliest memory that you have of art is in a previous episode. Usually we ask every guest that. Um, so to help our audience get to know you even a little more, uh, can you describe the kind of art that you make and what inspires you to make it? Yes. Love this question. I, um, I'm a real materials person, so I like to see how far I can push 
materials. I like to see if I can mix incompatible substances together to see what happens. And a lot of times it's a complete fail, but it's sometimes it's not. And I really am driven by color and pattern and texture. And I think there's a strong, I'd say textile element to a lot of my work as well. Fantastic. Yes. And definitely, uh, you, you can totally see that if you go to any of Josie's, uh, social media, uh, you gotta have some failures to, uh, to, to really get to, to the, the strongest work that you can make. So, uh, I support the failures. <laughs> so many failures. So many. We cannot emphasize how many failures we're talking about. <laughs> thousands, thousands, thousands. Yes. Amazing. Um, well, awesome. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the rest of the questions we have for you. Uh, so Josie, the last time you were on, we talked about relieving stress and dealing with anxiety that comes from putting your work up for the world to judge on the internet. Uh, since then, do you still struggle with an online presence and have you come up with any new ways to cope with the surprising backlash from your art? I, I, I definitely seem to be very polarizing. And it's interesting because really I just paint rainbows. So I'm not sure why people get worked up about me, but they do. There's always somebody. So anytime you go viral, there's at least, you know, a bunch of people in there that are like, this is dumb. This is, this isn't art. Who is this person? And, um, and I have grown to, embrace, embrace my haters. I actually uh, find them really funny. And I think over the many hundreds or even thousands of hater comments that I've gotten, I um, have completely disassociated my ego from those comments, which I, you know, it didn't happen that way in the beginning. I had to learn that, but um, that is a, a great way actually to approach social media because my social media is not me. It's not my value. It's not my worth. It's a way that I communicate with the world and it's a powerful tool, but it can really get its hooks into our little tender souls and egos and can wreak all sorts of havoc. So creating those dividing lines between who I am, what's important to me, my personal life, my individual uh, joy and keeping that separate from what I do on social media, which is my job. My, my business is sharing, sharing my business to the world. And, but they're me and what I share on social media are completely separate. And it's hard for artists because we, what we do is so vulnerable and so personal. It's such a personal expression of who we are and what we love. So it's hard to create those differentiations, but I think it's very important. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I find that hilarious. I don't know where these people live or, or what they're doing with their times where all they're doing is just getting upset over rainbows all day. Like, like they, they need to, um, you know, get some lives. Uh, however, I think that's wonderful that you are uh, really disassociating on a personal level because at the end of the day, I mean, we, we definitely want to be sharing the art that we create with the world. Um, but social media is not necessarily the the connection that we as artists look for. Uh, on a on a personal level, I end up loving um, talking to people about my art in person, and social media ends up feeling like it's cracking the code to that social media's algorithm or whatever it might be. Right. So you can definitely have authentic, engaging uh, interactions on social media. But at the end of the day, like you said, it is a powerful tool that you are using 
for your art business to share your art with the world. It is very much a, a business tool. And so, yeah, like not taking <laughs> haters who are upset about rainbows personally, I think is, uh, is the only way to get through that. And, uh, also it's, it's just a sign that, you know, you're doing something right. Right. It's, uh, if you have so many people who know about your art that there's, rainbow haters out there finding about your art too i mean you're you're doing something right so <laughs> rainbow haters what does yeah. this world come to rainbow, rainbow haters come on <laughs> I know, it's so upsetting it's so upsetting <laughs> oh my gosh um, um all right well next question that we have for you so artist schedules they can vary dramatically and artists often don't believe that they have time to play in their art, right? We said that we were going to talk about playing and fun. Um, how much time do you dedicate to working in your practice, uh, in your practice? And how much time do you dedicate to playing? Do you think there's a difference there? Yes. I mean, that that's such a good question because even it's even a good question for a hobby artist because I have witnessed in my own life and then also in virtually every other creative that I know, whether they are a world famous recording artist or a novelist or someone who just paints in their basement from time to time, like every single creative experiences hella resistance. And there are so many things that seem to crop up that will keep us from creating the art that we know our soul wants to make. And that certainly, you know, in my case, my business of being an artist can interfere with me be actually creating art. It happens all the time. And I, you know, this is a, this is a common for the full-time artists that I know. They're like, well, if I can be making art about 50, maybe 30, 30 to 50% of the time, I feel pretty good, you know, because there's so many admin tasks. Um, so, 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 so many. But the fact is resistance is just, it's just part of it. It's part of the creative process. And so, you know, I have to think a lot about various ways to, to, to defeat the resistance and make the art that I know I need to make. Totally, totally. Yeah, there's, uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the app Uptime. It's basically, the, it turns lifestyle books and uh and various various novels into like five minute reads and so i actually this morning i read um uh the hack for this book called how to relax <laughs> and i was like it's like oh i need this like you know we're, we're always so uh like fixated on on being productive that sometimes the the thought of being unproductive can just feel like a huge waste of time, but actually having these unproductive times is what allows you to rest and recharge and, and be at your peak performance when you are being productive. And so that totally comes back to this conversation of, you know, your art business and your art creation process, because at the end of the day, you don't have an art business if you don't have art. And so even if it feels fun to make your art and you almost feel guilty for making it sometimes you have to make it like you so you have to very much with art you have to play you have to explore and you have to create in order to have an art business so uh i i totally agree that both are are integral yeah you know what i i've been thinking about a lot recently and i i still i this is this is um 
way deep Josie that I haven't talked about very much. So hopefully it will come out in a sequential way. But I've been thinking about the idea of um, genius. And there is a brilliant Elizabeth Gilbert TED Talk from forever ago. Hopefully everybody in the world has watched it. But if you haven't watched it, go watch the original Elizabeth Gilbert TED Talk, where she talks about the concept of genius being like a studio elf that like maybe will swing by when you're working and maybe will not. And so it's not the individual that's a genius, which is a very Renaissance idea, you know, like of this, this heroic artist working in the studio and he's a genius and it's always a he, by the way. And, and he's always white and, you know, he's always like very much in the, you know, the, the, whatever the predominant cultural norm is, you know, it's, that's who it is. And he's the genius and it's him expressing his genius. But, but in this other construct, it's more like genius might come and visit you some of the time and you don't know when the genius is coming and they may come and they may not come, but if they do come, they better find you working (laughs) so they can actually shake their genius dust on your work. And so then what I think is interesting about that and also is very much linked to my social media process is that I think one of the only ways that I get access to that I I hate to call it genius. That sounds too like highfalutin, but more like um, freshness, you know, or unique voice or something. When I, when I am able to kind of uh, crack open a new kind of expression that people respond to, that I respond to, and then people respond to, it only happens in experimentation almost always, you know? So the, the way my process works is usually I'm experimenting with something and then I start to iterate on my experiments. And then if I can take risks inside those iterations, which to the outside observer might not look like very big risks, but to me, it feels like a big risk. Sometimes the genius fairy shows up maybe 10% of the time, not that much, but sometimes, sometimes I feel like, Ooh, I hit something. I landed on something. And then it's corroborated. This is a really weird relationship, but it will then be corroborated by my audience because I have this, you know, this weird modern moment that we're in where we can, I can make a painting and 20 minutes later, share it with the pe- my, you know, millions of people and immediately get feedback, which, you know, that, that, that knife cuts both ways, you know, that, that could be good and bad, but it's also a way to be like, I don't know. I don't know if this is interesting or not, but I can see what my audience thinks, you know, to see like, oh, people seem to like this or, oh, they're not really into that, you know? And I think, like I said, you have, ultimately I'm the artist and I get to direct the course of the ship and I wouldn't want to do like, you know, I wouldn't want it, it to be a popularity contest, but that relationship and the dance with the audience is very interesting to me. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And even if you're not, you know, creating art for, uh, for social media attention, you know, it's like, it is super valuable to, to get that real time feedback of what people think of something, because as much as there's going to be haters or people who are just kind of liking something without thinking about it much, you're also going to get a lot of very valuable feedback of people paying attention to it more. They're familiar with your entire, you know, evolution of your art. And they're going to be like, oh, yes, go in this direction. Like, this is fantastic, you know? And so, so really, really paying attention to those signals is, is helpful. And, uh, and social media is a great way to do that. Um, The other thing I was going to mention is just I, on a personal level and, and with artists I've talked to just 
you know, when, when you take that moment to relax and you are experimenting more instead of kind of doing what you always do, I mean, those are the moments that you, you totally are, are discovering something that, that might be the, the entire new trajectory of your art. Um, that happened for me in 2021 where I was, I was taking myself way too seriously. And then I, I was like, okay, let me just do something fun. Cause like it, it, for me, what happened was I stopped making art as frequently because, um, because I, every, every period of time that went by that I wasn't making art, I would build myself up more and more. And I was like, okay, the next thing I have to do just has to be like the most amazing, perfect, like conceptual thing I've ever done. And I was like, all right, let me, let me, uh, (laughs) let me stop taking myself so seriously for a second. And then I, um, you know, I, I had just more of like a fun exercise that felt like it was just for me. And then that's, that's what my art is now. So that, that exercise became, uh, like the entire, uh, course of my, my work now. So, uh, totally hear you on, on playing, experimenting and, uh, not being afraid to, to pivot a little bit. Yes, that's fascinating. That's so fascinating. I mean, the thing that really jumped out to me with what you just said was you made art just for you. And and it 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 cracked open a whole new line of thinking and a whole a whole bunch a whole, you know, um series of work it sounds like, which is just really magical. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. You know, I I think that uh, and you mentioned this too, like when you're creating work that is for yourself, like you're not making it for someone else, you're steering your own ship. Uh, it will ultimately resonate with a bunch of people because you're a human on this planet and there's going to be plenty of other humans on this planet that relate to your experience. And so starting with what is authentic to yourself, what is relevant to yourself, it's going to be relevant to other people. So it's still going to have that universal element to it. Um, yeah. I Go think ahead. that there's a really, yeah, there's a really beautiful, uh, it might even be a sort of a paradox where the deeper and more authentic our personal voice can get and the more risks we're taking with our own communication and the more refined and skillful our own expression of our, you know, internal construct is, it's often that work that is the most um, resonant with the general audience. And it's, it's really weird because a lot of times it feels like so personal and internal, but then it turns out that it, it like sparks something. It sparks, it's provocative, it's evocative, it sparks imagination and feelings. And I think that's, that's super, super fascinating. It happens with all art where, you know, it happens with songs like, you know, I like will resonate with a song, a Bruce Springsteen song, um, that is, I've never worked a coal mine and neither is he, by the way, but <laughs> he, he has, you know, he sings about the the plight of the working man, which, you know, I don't have much connection to and neither, neither does he, but somehow those songs like really, really connect emotionally. And it's, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating that that happens. So I heard a great quote, which was, um, it was from a, it was from a public speaker and he was talking about how to, you know, give a good speech. And he said, that which is the most personal is the most general. And the idea was to tell your personal story and get as deep and as vulnerable and as specific as possible. And even though other people in the audience haven't experienced your story, most of them haven't even come close to whatever you're going to share, because we all are so various and, you know, different from each other. 
even though I don't, you know, like I actually went to see someone speak about being wrongfully accused. It was very, very moving. He was wrongfully accused of a crime. He spent, I don't know, a dozen years in prison and then got out. So he's telling his story. I thankfully have never experienced anything like that. But there was so many points in his narrative, which I, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, I understand that. You know, like even though I've never experienced that kind of horror, I, on a human level, I understand on a metaphorical level what it means to be, to be, um, you know, jailed, you know, even though, like I say, never have experienced that and hopefully never will. But it's really fascinating to me how the, how the human connection works. Yeah. For, for me, my, my Bruce Springsteen is uh, the song Wichita Lineman, not a Bruce Springsteen song, but like uh, Wichita Lineman is about uh, someone who's like a, a, a telephone pole repair person. And, and it's completely specific, but is just like one of the like, you know, songs that really pulls on my heartstrings. And, and it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've never, I've never repaired a telephone pole in my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. I love that so much. Awesome. Oh. Well, next question we have for you, Josie. So since you are a full-time professional artist, you have had years to play with uh, different media and ideas. So at what point does art stop being fun for you? And what do you do if that happens? So kind of if you hit a point where you're just, uh, feels more like work than play. Yeah, that's a super good question. So I think that, um, one of the great things about my personality, but also a major liability is that I, I have this quality, which, um, I'll have to explain it a little bit because most people don't know what it means. Um, I, I'm a very autotelic person and people who are autotelic really enjoy the process of almost anything. Like most people who are autotelic can, will enjoy doing the thing just for the sake of doing the thing. And so that means that for almost, for me, for almost anything, I can like scrub out the shower grout and I kind of like it and I can do the gardening and I kind of like it and I can go for a long walk and I kind of like it and I can make some art and I kind of like it. It's, you know, it's almost like everything is enjoyable to me. I put on an audio book and I just zone out and it's like this, you know, um, this really lovely flow state that I can get, get into doing almost anything. And so, um, my problem is not that I don't have fun. My problem is that I have too much fun <laughs> and I need to be more strategic about how I have fun. And sometimes when I'm taking a risk with art, it's not that fun, but it's necessary, you know? So it's like, I'm not really in flow because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of contemplation and I have to think about, you know, um, technical things, or I have to think about skill skills that I haven't developed yet. And, and it, and it isn't a flow state of just scrubbing out one tile at a time in the shower, which is very satisfying. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying my shower is in any way clean. I always use that as an example. And my husband's like, have you ever scrubbed the shower? Like, no, I haven't. But I could. I could. And I would like it if I did. I would like it if you did it. 
I would like it if I did it. Uh, but I have actually decided that that's not the best use of my time. So I am going to do something else with my autotelic personality that is, you know, moving my business forward, moving my creativity forward, moving my soul forward. That's what's really important. So for me, it's really more a it's a determination of what's the most important work. What's the highest work for me and how should I distribute that? Because I can be a busy beaver and it's not necessarily helpful to, you know, like I can do a lot of like busy, busy tasks that ultimately aren't that satisfying and ultimately don't move my business along or don't move my creativity along. And so I need to be very thoughtful about how I use my time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, the, the biggest takeaway that I'm getting from what you just said is just, you know, people have different, I guess, like levels of flow state, right? So being able to recognize that in yourself, I feel like is the first step. And, and then taking the steps to uh, do what you need to for your art career or for making art based on what, what your flow state level is. So for you, it's kind of like, you know, you, you need to actually like plan out what it is you're going to do since you would kind of just enjoy doing anything for someone else who has trouble getting into that flow state. Maybe they, maybe they know what they need to do, but they need to work on getting into that flow state. Um, and so I think, I think recognizing it's, it's like those personality quizzes that you always see, like, what is your personality type? Like, depending on that, like what time of day should you work at? Like, when should you wake up and everything? So I feel like it's kind of like that, but it's like the artist creativity, uh, edition of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're going to come back, uh, with our final thoughts, but first another message from our sponsors. Business artists start the new year, right? Earn up to a thousand dollars in add-on credits. When you book a booth by January 5th, credit can be used for any part of Superfine's booth optimization kit including booth photography packages, personalized digital marketing, and customizations like wall paint color and additional lights. And as always, get 5% off when you pay up front. Go online to www.superfine.world slash sellyourart to set up your qualification call with James today. Again, that's www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. All right. So last question, Josie, uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. Let's go ahead and bring it home for our listeners. What influences have you had in your life that allow you to be so positive or at least appear that way on social media? <laughs> that, that's cute, right? What, what, how we appear on social media and how we actually are might be two totally different things. But I actually am a diehard optimist. So I in that way, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty authentic as far as like, I mean, that is like one of my high values is authenticity. So I try to be who I am on social media that the same that I am everywhere else. But um, here is, I, you know, it's a very, very good question. I have kind of a deep answer because I believe I'm, opt I'm optimistic because of tragedy and because of death, <laughs> which I know, bum, 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 suck all the air out of the room. Why don't you? But, um, I, I uh, had an experience a few years ago where I had multiple pregnancy losses and I lost my baby daughter at birth. 
And it was, you know, as you can imagine, a very, very difficult time for me. And it was also one of those shaking times where it, it made me have to like examine a lot of beliefs, you know, about my life and about my family of origin and about my understanding of spirituality and my understanding of fairness and you know all the things you know like just the things that, that when when we're exposed to grief and tra- tragedy we really um hopefully grief brings us through into a new um a new perspective and so one of the things that i learned through that time was that i cannot uh, obviously control what happens to me and crappy stuff happens to a lot of us. And there's stuff that we, that could happen to me in the future. And I don't have, there's a lot that I just can't control. But what I realized through those losses was that though I certainly don't want bad things to happen to me, I know that in every circumstance that I'm confronted with, I'm going to get a choice of how to respond. And so that means, you know, tragedy may uh, uh, come into my life again. And certainly there's big T tragedy of losing someone you love, but there's also just little everyday stresses and things don't go the way you want. And, you know, there's all sorts of disappointments and like, you know, mini T tragedies that happen. (laughs) And those, every time something happens that I didn't want and couldn't control, the thing that I can control is my response to it. And I frankly, my life is easier if I am able to kind of roll with it and be, you know, kind of like, well, stuff happens. (laughs) Like I'm good. I still get to choose my response. I, I don't have to like spiral into a blame, you know, a blame, um, I don't know, I guess like a blame spiral, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't have to like get deep in my, you know, depressive state. I don't have to like drink a lot of um, gin, although sometimes I do drink a little bit of gin, but <laughs> the idea is I get to decide. I get to decide as long as I have my wits about me, I get to decide what my response is going to be. And and that is what keeps me optimistic. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a deep answer, but that's, that is the answer. I mean, that is incredibly powerful, Josie. And thank you for sharing on such a personal level um, about what you've gone through. Um, But definitely something that I've been reading about a lot lately is that when you have something negative in your life, something stressful, whether it's a capital T tragedy or a lowercase t tragedy, um, avoiding it and not facing it head on is only going to prolong the suffering that you're going through. And so even when you're distracting yourself by, you know, let's, let's say it's a a lowercase T tragedy and you just kind of start scrolling through Instagram reels or something like that to get your mind off of it. uh, That is only going to distract you a little bit, but it's mainly going to just prolong the stress. And so the only way to get through something is to face it head on. It sounds like that's what you've done throughout your life in, in, um, uh, these, these big and small tragedies that you've gone through. Um, so I, I think that's, that's very, uh, very noble of you. Uh, and it's, it's not easy. It's, it's something that, uh, is much easier said than done. So, um, you know, thank you. Thank you for, uh, creating art, uh, that you have created at least in part from, 
uh, overcoming uh, the this grief and tragedy you've gone through. So thank you. I, I appreciate that, James. That's very well spoken and, and kind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So everyone, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Josie, it's always a, a, a pleasure to have you on uh, our podcast. Uh, for everyone who is listening, please go ahead and follow Josie at Josie Lewis Art on Instagram if you are not already one of her 514,000 followers. Um, be sure to check us out at Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. Uh, and uh, feel free to share whenever you're listening to and enjoying the artist business plan. Uh, also, if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts when you get the chance, that'd be amazing. And as always, I'd like to wrap up uh, by sharing a quick quote with you all. Uh, today's quote is Brian Simons. Art is just fun. If you're not having fun, it's probably not working, <laughs> which I think is quite poignant uh, to today's conversation. Uh, Josie, it's been such a pleasure having you. Thank you again for sharing your perspective. For that, we are so grateful. That's, I love that quote. It's so good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan. Hosted by me, Alex Mito. And me, James Milley. Join us each week to hear leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas discuss tips and tricks designed to help you thrive and sell more art. To listen to this episode and all of our past episodes, just visit www.superfine.world and click the Artist Business Plan. And we love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message just to let us know you're listening. Want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Go to www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Until next time, keep listening, keep creating, and keep up your artist business plan.